0: You have found the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. We want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from December 4th, 2022, and the text was Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 55. As we have uh, already focused on this morning, our Advent theme is expectation uh, and hope. Webster's defines hope as a desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. I'll read that again. I had to read it like 10 times. I won't read it 10 times now, but it's a desire with the expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. So hope is a desire that a person has, they want something to happen, and they anticipate or they expect that that desire will be fulfilled. They expect that they will get what they are wanting. A couple weeks ago, Randall called me and asked me if I would uh, be interested in going on a fishing trip uh, with him and four other guys this week. And for the sake of this sermon, we're going to assume that he was hoping that I would say yes. Yes. So, because I like fishing, and I've always wanted to fish out in the ocean in the freezing cold, in the middle of December, um, actually I kind of have, um, but mainly because this group of guys uh, that he put together are guys that I would enjoy fishing with. I knew that I would enjoy fishing with them. So I said yes. So Randall's desire, his hope was fulfilled. Although as I thought about this, I thought that maybe his desire might have been that, um, that he told me that the cost of it was twice as much as what it actually is, and so I'm basically paying for his trip. So that might have been his, his desire or his hope, I'm not sure, but whatever it was, I believed even and I said I'd go. But I hope that this isn't the case. So we're hoping that on Wednesday that the weather is nice and calm, and he told me this morning we're going 30 miles out. And I didn't realize it was quite that far, but like some guys say, you can't swim a mile, you can't swim 30 miles, so it doesn't matter really how far you are. But uh, but we're hoping that it's a nice calm day, that the weather will be nice. Um, I'm hoping that I don't get seasick, and we're hoping that we catch our limit of nice big fish. And in this, I've also hoped. I also hope that you have noticed how often we use the word hope. I've used it six times so far, just in that little illustration. Randall hoped that I would say yes. I'm hoping that he didn't double charge me. We're hoping for nice weather. I hope I don't get seasick. We hope we catch lots of fish, and I hope that you were paying attention to my illustration and just noticing how often we use that word. So just a few quick thoughts, a few more quick thoughts about hope and what it is. Again, it is a desire that we have, and we expect that that desire will be fulfilled. I keep wanting to say that we hope that that desire will be fulfilled, but you can't use hope to define itself, right? But I think you get the point. It's something that we're expecting, something that we're looking for, something that we're longing for. It's something that we want, and we expect it to be fulfilled. My, also another thing is my ability can, to control the outcome of each of my desires varies significantly in each of these examples. So in some of these, I can control what the outcome is, and some I can't. If I don't want to pay double, I could check what the charter, what the charter fees are online, and I could do a little research myself and see if I could catch Randall at his little gain or not let me be perfectly clear, I don't really think that Randall's doing that. I just needed an illustration. And last Saturday night, he kept sending me pictures of his Thanksgiving dinner, and I told him, I'm going to get you, Randall. So this was my chance. <coughs> so uh, so if I don't catch any fish, my next sermon might be a real doozy with lots of Randall illustrations, but we'll see. Um, now, I don't believe Randall's doing that. This is all said and fun. So my second desire was for good weather. None of us control can control the weather. That is in God's hands. So that, that's on the other end. I, can, I have no control of that whatsoever. I can somewhat control if I get sick by being careful about what I eat and not thinking myself into getting seasick. That's usually the case for me. I'm sitting there bobbing up and down, and I'm saying, Man, I hope I don't get sick. Man, I hope I don't get sick. Oh, am I getting sick? Next thing you know, uh, there we go. Um, so I can somewhat control that. I can't control the captain's ability to put us on fish, and so on. Also, some of our hopes, um, okay, so with some of our hopes, we can influence the result, the outcome, and some we have absolutely no control over. Another point that I'd like for us to recognize about our desires or our hopes is that they vary in intensity or in degree of importance. I'm looking forward to this fishing trip, but if it is blowing and we don't get to go or something comes up, it's not the end of the world. If I get sick, eventually I will feel better. So I mean, it's happened lots of times before, it doesn't ruin the trip, so it's, it's not too big of a deal either. And if I don't catch any fish, well then that'll be fine too. I'm actually used to not catching fish when I go fishing. I learned a long time ago that I need to be happy seeing other people catch fish or kill deer or whatever, um, because sometimes that's all I get is seeing somebody else do it. So it's, so even the degree of whether or not I catch any fish or not, um, isn't, it's not a big deal to me. But it is a pretty big deal that as I talk about hope this morning, that your hearts and your minds are stirred by God's word and his spirit. And something that I say helps you understand him in a better way uh, this Christmas. And your relationships with the Savior is strengthened. So that's, that is something that is important. Fishing, yeah, it'd be nice if we, if we go out. It's a beautiful day. Have fun. But it's not the end of the world. But it is somewhat more important, a lot more important, that something today is said that stirs our hearts and our minds toward God. So I do not want or again should I say I'm hoping that my little illustration doesn't distract us from what it is that we're really looking at here today. But I did want us to stop and think a little bit this morning about what hope really is. It is a desire that where it is a desire where we expect a result. But hope is also nothing more than that. It is a want or a desire. Hope in and of itself does not guarantee the result. Does that make sense? Hope in and of itself does not guarantee a result. I cannot hope or desire something into existence. It's the thing that I am placing my hope in that to fulfill that desire that determines the outcome not my hope itself. So you can have all the faith, all the hope in the world that when you sit on a chair, it's going to hold you. But if that chair is not worthy of your hope and your faith, who cares? Um, I know I've used that illustration a lot uh, before uh, too, but, but it's, not, it's not our hope that saves us. It's, or determines um, the result. It's the one that we put our hope in. So that is what I want to focus on this morning here a little bit. What, were, what was it that Mary and Elizabeth and Zacharias, the children of Israel, were hoping for? Who was going to determine the outcome of their hope? And what was that outcome then finally? So what was it that Mary and Elizabeth and the rest of those who followed Yahweh were hoping for? And why do we talk about it and focus on it here during Advent and around Christmas time? Why did they want it so bad, and why were they so overjoyed that their hope was about to become reality? Of course, we all know the answer. The long-awaited Messiah was about to be born. The world had been groaning under the weight of sin for 4,000 years, and finally, God was going to fulfill His promise that He had made to Adam and Eve at the fall and send the Savior that would be the appropriate sacrifice to atone for the sins of the human race that had rejected him. We talked about all of that uh, last week. So this is a hope that we're talking about that had eternal consequences. In fact, it was more than just a desire, it was a need. And it was a need about to be met and Mary had the awesome responsibility and the privilege to experience that. Do you ever think about what that must have been like? They have, the world had been waiting for millennia, and Mary found out there from the angel Gabriel that this was about to take place. So her, her, her response was then to submit. Luke one thirty eight says, Mary, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. So she submitted to that. So it was a desire and a hope with eternal consequences, and it was also a hope with which they had no power to bring about its fulfillment. So there was nothing that the children of Israel, any of these people, that we could do today could do to bring about its fulfillment. We were powerless in that. But it was a hope that was based on God's promise to one day send a Savior. And that is why after thousands of years, there were still those who were faithfully waiting for God to fulfill that promise. They lived out their lives believing the promise would be fulfilled, whether it happened in their lifetime or not. Why? Because they knew the God that had made the promise. Generations of God's people had hoped that they would see the Messiah born, yet Even though they didn't see it, even though it never came to fruition in their lifetime, they continued to teach their children his truths and his promises, and they lived their lives expectantly. God had proven faithful so many times, and they knew that he was worth putting their faith in and their hope in. As I thought about this and worked through this sermon, I thought of the flip side as well. They had seen God be faithful, but what about those times where he didn't answer as they desired that he would? Of all the times where God did not fulfill their hopes and their desires, even their desires for good things. Have you ever thought what it must have been like to have been one of the children of Israel living during the 400 years of slavery there in Egypt? God had told them, you're going to be there for 400 years. And if they, if that person was born during the 300th year, there would be a real good chance that they weren't going to make it to the Exodus. They wouldn't, were not going to be part of that. I don't know if Moses' parents were still alive when God delivered the Jewish people from Egypt or not, but I kind of doubt that they were. Yet, in spite of that, even though they knew that they would probably not be part of that, that they would never see the promised land, that they would still they would die slaves there in Egypt. <clears throat> they were faithful. They had faith and hope that God would be faithful to his promise, and they hid their baby boy in a basket there in the Nile instead of allowing the, the Egyptian soldiers to kill him, as, as Pharaoh had said to do. In faith and in hope of who God was, They hid Moses there in the Nile. We know the rest of the story. But there are things in my life that I hope that God will do. Things that I know from Scripture that are part of God's will. They're good things. I know they're things that God desires. And they are things with eternal consequences. And they are things totally out of my control that need God's intervention. But God has been seemingly silent up to this point and my desires and my hopes have not been fulfilled even though I've cried out to God that they would be. So and what's, what's my response to that when my hopes are not fulfilled? When I, when I know that they're good things, it's not that I'm being selfish, it's, it's things that God desires and they're things that are very important. What's my response? Do I remain faithful to Him? Do I continue to rejoice in who he is and even, uh, and that even in his silence that all things will work for the good to those who love him? Do I rest in who he is? Am I content in all my circumstances? I continually have to ask myself if I have a need, if a tragedy would arise or an illness or whatever, whatever it is in my life that would give me that something that I needed a hope and I hope that God would, would answer that prayer, and that God does not answer He does not fulfill that desire. I constantly have to ask myself, will God being on the throne still be enough for me to remain faithful, to be thankful and to rejoice in who He is? Will I remain faithful even if I don't see that promise answered in my lifetime? So the children of Israel, the Jews there during the time of Christ, they were hoping for the Messiah to free them from the bondage of sin. They believed that God alone could fulfill that desire. And finally, in His perfect time, God fulfilled His promise and sent Jesus here as a baby to be the perfect sacrifice and make it possible for the relationship between God and mankind to be restored. And when Mary and Elizabeth heard this, they rejoiced. And after Gabriel had given her the message that she would be the mother of the Messiah, Mary went to visit Elizabeth, and they were both filled with awe and with praise. And their response was pretty amazing to me. We find Elizabeth's response there in verses 39 to 45, which read, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And then we find Mary's response right after that. It says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul rejoices, or how, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. Again, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. So in closing, what can we apply to our lives here today from our thinking about hope and and what it is that these ladies and the the other Jewish people were hoping for? Obviously, Christ has made the the proper sacrifice that, uh, that makes it possible for us to be cleansed from our sin. But there's more to the story, right? Not all of his promises have been fulfilled yet. But God is still at work, and eternity will look much different than what life looks like today. So we look forward to the day when our hope and our faith will be reality, and there will be no more death, no more tears. So the challenge to myself, to us today, is don't lose heart. Continue to put your hope in the one true God who can and will fulfill His promises even when he doesn't fulfill them in the way or in the timing that we want. Rejoice and praise him for who he is and for what he has done and for what he is doing and will continue to do. You've been listening to the Trust the Mennonite Sermon from December 4th, 2022. The passage was Luke 1, 26 through 55. Take care.